How's everybody tonight? Good to see you. I want to remind you to please check your announcements for upcoming outreaches and events. It comes on your email. It's on the website. As a, in the foyer, it's on the hard copy and on the TV. Out on the bulletin board, there's a printed copy. In the sanctuaries, there's the overhead. So someplace, <laughs> you know, uh, please get a hold of them and uh, check out what's coming up uh, in the month and as we come into the holiday season. There's lots of stuff going on. All right. Hello, Pedro. Welcome to live stream. We're glad you're there. It's good to be together. Amen. So we've been talking about a number of things over the last several weeks, and we've been talking about uh, not compromising. We're talking about uh, the Lord. He's the Lord in the storm. Uh, we talked about failure to watch uh, the open door that God gives to us. And, of course, all of this has been out of the churches of the book of Revelation. So we're going to continue that way. And we're going to go back to the beginning, which is the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at that one, start looking at that one tonight. And then when we get finished all of them, we're going to compile all of the instances of overcoming. And what the promises are to overcome is and what it takes to overcome. Amen. Because we want to be the overcomer. We don't want to be overcome. Isn't that right? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor, Lord Jesus. You alone are worthy to be praised. Mighty God, magnificent Lord, everlasting one. You are the glorious King, the majestic King. You are the mighty God, the great mighty conqueror. You are the Lord of hosts. You are the Lord of glory. You are the Lord of all. We bless you, Lord, Lord of lords, King of kings. We honor your name. We lift you up, give you the praise that you alone are worthy to receive. You are the one that's defeated all of our foes, defeated our enemies, disconnected us and untied us from the work of the devil. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can choose to walk free. Oh, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. I thank you, Father, as we come before you this evening, that we hear your word, that we take it into our heart, that by the anointing, our eyes are open, the, uh, the, the, the darkness is removed, the yokes are broken. And, Father, I just thank you that your word is always designed to bring us to a place of freedom. Your word is not designed to condemn us. Your word is only designed to show us where the strongholds are so that we can bind the strong man and that we can walk out into freedom. Father, I thank you that your word is good. It's profitable for all things, that it's, it is good for teaching, for reproof, for discipline, for training in righteousness, that we be adequate and equipped for every good deed. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's start in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. And he says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. 
So as we've seen before, the word angel is uh, talking about the messenger or the one sent to announce and to proclaim. And he's always talking about the one that teaches in the church and he's talking about the pastor. There are not angelic beings over churches, okay? It's the pastor of the church is who he's talking to. Because when God has something to say to the church, he goes through the designated chain of authority. That's how he does things. He believes in the chain of command. Now, many Christians don't. You know, many Christians think there's Jesus and then there's them. And in your individual life, that may be so, but not in the body of Christ, you know. And uh, in the body of Christ, he set a governing body called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And this is the governmental body of the church. And why he set it up that way, I have no idea. But he did, and that's what we go with. <laughs> you know, amen. So, uh, so he goes down that chain of command, and he talks to the pastor first. And whether it's something that commends the church or rebukes the church, he does it the same way. And the pastor is to receive the message from the Lord, digest it, get it into his heart, into his spirit, and get it into experience in his life, and then give it out to the church so that it comes out with life. Isn't that right? Amen. And that's the way it is with anything that the Lord wants to give to the church. It goes to the pastor. He is to digest it, get it in his spirit, get it in his life, and then out from his life, it's spoken back out from him. And that's why Jesus could say, the words I speak to you, their spirit and their life, because it came out from his life and out of the life of his spirit and into the life that he lived. Amen. So he's writing to the church in, in Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus. And this church was started by the Apostle Paul, which we see in Acts chapter 19. The Apostle Paul spent about three years there teaching. And he talks about that in Acts chapter 20. His first pastoral conference was in Ephesus, which was in Acts chapter 20. Timothy was the pastor of the, of the church of Ephesus, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And history tells us that afterward, the apostle John became the pastor of the Ephesian church. Okay? Paul spent more time in Ephesus than in any other city. It was a strategic importance of Ephesus as a base of operations for spreading the gospel throughout Asia Minor. Every church was strategic in some way. And Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, was the principal Aegean port city for Asia Minor. Okay? Roads from Ephesus went in every direction along the coast and through the interior of the province. And Ephesus had served as the seat of the Roman proconsul. So when you see the importance of the city, then you can understand the importance of the church. And because all of that was important for the city in going out to all parts of, the, of Asia Minor, you can see how the church of Ephesus then was important. And um, the preaching of the gospel, Ephesus was a base operation for that. Amen. So he says here, to the angel or to the pastor of the church in Ephesus, right, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. All right, the one, the one who holds the seven stars. Now, Rome had a coin on it, and the coin had an image of Domitian, who was the, the Caesar at the time. 
Domitian's son uh, image was on the coin because his son died, but he deified his son. And he made a coin and had an image of his son on the coin among the stars. But Jesus says, I'm the one that holds the seven stars. It is not Domitian's son. His son's dead, but I'm the living one. Yeah, Amen. Hallelujah. See, everything has meaning of what he's talking about. And you have to know this because the devil is a counterfeiter. And there's a lots of things out here that the devil counterfeits, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, I hear things and it comes across your email and stuff. And there's going to be a time of meditation. Oh, we all going to be confessing the word? Is that what we're doing? Well, isn't that what meditation is? Isn't that meditating? You meditate on the word, you confess the word, you muse over the word, you ponder the word. Is that what we're doing? No. But it's a counterfeit, and they take the word. We're going to meditate as a counterfeit of what the Bible says about meditating. And the devil is nothing but a counterfeiter. And it's amazing to me. How many Christians say, well, so-and-so must be saved because of the way they talk? You mean they said Jesus is Lord? Well, no. Well, then what? Well, they believe in giving and you get a heart principles. That's like saying, I believe when I jump off the top of the building, I'm going to land on the ground. I have worked a principle called gravity. That does not make me a scientist. Any more than you believing in spiritual principles makes you a Christian. So don't come up with all this stuff on why you think somebody's a Christian when you absolutely don't know. Unless they told you Jesus is Lord of their life. Are you with me? I don't care if they go to church. I went to church as a kid, dead as a doornail. Went to church as a kid. Never heard nothing about Jesus. Although he was on the cross in the front of every church I went to. Still didn't know nothing about him. Never received him in my life. Never heard anything about salvation. Being in a church don't save you. Jesus in your heart is what saves you. Amen. The devil's a counterfeiter. You have to know truth. And this is why... The church at Ephesus and the message to the church of Ephesus is of utmost importance. And it's the first church that Jesus talks to. So he says, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. He holds the seven stars. He's not just sitting among the seven stars. He holds them and has a masterful, powerful grip and rule over the seven stars. Amen. And what are the stars? Hmm? No, the lampstands of the church is what's the stars? The pastors of the seven churches are all the ministry gifts. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say it. It's okay. <laughs> so he says, I have a hold on those stars. 
not just sitting among it like the picture on the coin, but I have a masterful grip because he is the Lord of the church and he is the one that has given out positions of ministry. It all comes from him. It tells us that in Corinthians, right? And I have it in my what? In his right hand. He doesn't hold stuff in his left hand. He holds it in his right hand. Why? Because right hand is the symbol of divine power and authority. And the stars in the right hand means leadership walks in that divine power and authority. And it's the leadership in the right hand that is accountable to the Lord of the church. Amen. And it says that he walks among the seven golden lampstands. To walk among means to tread or to walk about, to beat a path. In other words, he's walking it over and over again. It's like you walk from the driveway to your front door, you beat a path. If you have to walk through grass, after a while that grass gets beaten down because you walk that same path over and over again. And that's what it means. Continuous present. I walk, I'm, I'm walking among it, I'm treading a path, I'm beating away over and over and over again. I walk among the seven golden lampstands, which is the churches. So I walk among, the word among, the Greek word mesos, which means I walk in the middle or right through the gut of every church. He walks in the middle. He beats a path and treads about the church, every church, because he says it to every church. He walks about it continuously. What's he doing? Checking things out. Checking our attitudes in church. Checking our attention in church. Checking what we give attention to in his word and what we heed what we hear and what we heed he's checking out that the person in the pulpit is teaching what he wanted them to teach he's checking out that the people in the chairs are hearing taking hold of and working that into their life that they're not just a lump on the log they're taking hold of something and working it into their life he's watching continually checking things out why because they're the golden lampstands. So he considers the church extremely important and valuable. So this shows us right here that he really does show up in church. He really does. Not once in a while and when he gets around it, continuously. Do you believe that? Well, Matthew 18, 20 says, if two, should, uh, if, if two are gathered in my name, there I am walking right through the middle of them. You believe that? Well, would you, if you believe that, would you laugh, joke, and talk and just kind of joke around during worship? Would you... Hang out outside till half worship is over because I don't like the singing fast songs. I just want to get in on the slowest song. So I just wait outside. But Jesus is inside. Do you check your text while teaching is going on? Do you get sloppy at the offering? Oh, teaching is over. That's over. We can just kind of relax now. It's just the offering. Or do you honor his presence? His presence. 
Do you worship him and worship his glory that is here in our midst? Do you bless him and honor him with an offering? Do you discount prayer? Do you just, you know, well, I'll take this or I'll leave that. Thank you, Jesus. What, you know, is he there during prayer? If there's two gathered in his name, where is he? He's right there. So do we discount prayer? Do we discount worship? What are we doing? See, if we truly believe he's in our midst, we would know it's better to be in church than to be at the beach. It would be better to be in church than to be out fishing. Well, Pastor, you know, everybody needs a break. A break from what? From Jesus. I mean, if you believe that he's in your midst, you need a break from him? This is what people will tell you. Too much church. Too, let's not go down that road. <laughs> Yeah, I understand 15 hours a month is way too much, very stressful on anybody. And he walks among in the middle, walk, he's the man in the middle of the church. Every time the church gathers, he's the man in the middle. He's walking down the middle, walking down the gut of the church, which he calls the golden lampstands. Why does he call them golden lampstands? Because he considers them valuable. Considers the church precious. Guess what? Even in a, somebody's backslidden condition, he still considers the church valuable. So let's not complain about what he calls golden. Let's act golden towards the goal that's sitting next to you. Let's think golden. Yes, you do. And that's pure gold sitting next to you. So we should consider that. If Jesus calls the church golden, the church that has trouble many times putting one foot in front of the other, he calls the church golden. The church that's made many mistakes through the years, he calls golden. The church that has members that don't even realize he's there with them, he still calls them golden. The church members that have received Jesus as Lord that don't even go to church, he still calls them golden. They're still valuable to him. And he still wants them all to come home. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. See, I did better than Rick Renner. Rick Renner takes three hours on one verse. <laughs> verse 2. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. I know. 
All right, I know it, I see it, I know it, I walk right in the middle of the church, I know firsthand, I see for myself, I don't need a report, I don't need anybody to tell me, I know firsthand, I'm there. He knows all about our work, and he knows maybe what's lacking in our work. He knows our deeds, and he knows where we're not operating in our deeds he knows it all the deeds our work our performance and the results of that work our labor and our business for the kingdom he knows it all he watches it he sees what we consider valuable what we consider important what we spend most of our life concerned with he knows our deeds and our toil now, the word toil in the New Testament is labor or wearisome effort. See, and this is what's very important. It's wearisome effort. It is not the actual exertion. It's not the work. Oh, I don't want to do too much work, you know, because that's, no, it's, you can work yourself to the bone and never toil. And this is where people get totally messed up because they can't understand how somebody can work I know somebody that's like, oh, you know, you need to always make sure. And I understand rest and all that. But dear God, they want you to rest more than anything. And you know the expression, rest when you're dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, know <laughs> you know, and we know people that are always saying you got to rest. You got to. Yeah, we rest and we do rest. And, we, and yeah, but, you know, dear God, how much rest do you rest? Because they look at the exertion and they think that you're wearing yourself out, and that's not true. The word toil is the weariness that you experience from the exertion. That's the toil. If you'll remember the curse, when Adam sinned, God said to Adam, you will what? Work the ground by the sweat of your brow. He used the word toil. Toil is a curse. Now, Christians ought to render labor in the Christian ministry. We're supposed to labor in the Christian ministry. But think about the days we live in. You know, there's the, the one-minute Bible. You know, I need, a, I need a, a seminar just for women because, bless God, you know how much work it is to go through the Bible and find everything in there that just has to do with women? I need a teacher's Bible. I need a father's Bible. I need a scratch and sniff Bible. You know, dear God, what, how much do we need? You know? And most of it is because we don't want to do the work. We want to prosper. We want to have blessing. But we don't want to labor. You know, that obedience stuff, there's too much work involved in that. Faith stuff is hard. I mean, you know, this is work. We don't have to work. I'm, I'm, I'm redeemed from work. No, you're not redeemed from work. You're redeemed from toil. <laughs> I know your deeds, your toil, and your perseverance. The word perseverance, the Greek word, you know this, hupomene, to remain under, to bear up. And not move. And it's associated with hope. 
So if you're bearing up under a situation, you're like, oh, I can't wait till this gets done. Oh, man, this is just so hard. You're not enduring because you have no hope. Perseverance, endurance, hoopomene is associated with hope. That in the midst of the situation, you're remaining under this condition, but you know based on a hope. And it's not a hope that I hope someday something changes. It's hope on in faith. You have a hope that you know that it's going to change without a doubt. You know. You know victory's on the other side. You know deliverance is coming. It's associated with hope, and that's why you can remain and not have an issue with it. To, to persevere is a character trait that will not allow you to surrender to circumstances or succumb to trial. It's not a stiff will, strong will, thick-headed or pig-headed. It's a character trait in your spirit. Because when you're thick-headed, pig-headed, and all this other stuff, thinking you're enduring, you're biting other people's heads off. Because it's all an emotional thing run by your soul. And that's not your spirit. And if you have the hope of deliverance. Why are you biting people's heads off? Why are you so emotionally upset? Why is everything in such turmoil? It's because you're not operating out of your spirit. You're operating out of your emotions. It's the difference. The counterfeit. See, that's the counterfeit. A strong will to do what you want, and I'm going to make this work. That is a counterfeit of the devil. To get you to work out of that thick head of yours. Uh, somebody out there, not anybody in this room or on live stream, but there is somebody out there. <laughs> I know your deeds, your toil, and your perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. You try them or put to the test those that say they are apostles. So when he says here that you uh, put to the test, it means to prove in a good or bad sense you scrutinize them. Now, 1 Timothy 3 tells us that before somebody is placed in as a deacon, they ought to be tested. And which goes back to the old uh, Greek setups in government that when anybody was running for a position in governor, government, they would actually set them up without them knowing about it. In some type of condition, they'd set them up and see how they'd react and test their character. And the Bible says before anybody becomes a deacon, they ought to be tested. That does not fly in the 21st century church. They don't even want to have a set of rules that they have to go by. Jeez, it's amazing. I remember one guy came and said, you know, I believe God wants me to, to, to work in the sound system. And Pastor Morgan went with, to them and said, well, this, if you want to be in the Ministry of Health, here's a thing that we'd like you to sign. And, you know, and he looked, read it over and he says, well, I believe God wants me to operate in the sound system, but I don't think he wants me to be submitted to this and you want to go oh that's right god forgot we have rules he forgot that when he told you to get involved with the sound system he forgot 
But it's amazing. Amazing how many people don't like rules. Free in Jesus. Hallelujah. Prove them. Put them to the test. You've put them to the test. Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, was a crossroad of civilization. It was known as the supreme metropolis of Asia. You know, Bangkok is known as the gateway to the east. So that's kind of like Ephesus. It was a convergence of three great highways from the northeast and the south. Ephesus was the trade center of, of the area. And as popular what, as the city was to the world, the church of Ephesus was that popular to Christians. Paul started the, city, uh, the church of Ephesus. Aquila, Priscilla preached there. Timothy was the pastor there. John retires there. He writes his gospel there. He writes his epistles there. He writes the book of Revelation from there. It was a great reputation that the church of Ephesus had. Peter comes, Barnabas comes, Paul came, all the apostles came to Ephesus. All of the who's who of the church was one of the ones always going to Ephesus. So they had a great reputation. And anybody that wanted to be anything in the ministry, they want to go to Ephesus and build a name and be a part of the Ephesus reputation. Because when you got the stamp of approval from Ephesus, you could go any place and preach. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you're having a meeting, and then all of a sudden, Kenneth Copeland comes and stands next to you. And puts his approval. Or Brother Hagen would come in, put his approval on what you're doing. Brother Roberts would come in, put his approval on what you're doing. You know, well, that goes a long way with people. Amen? It's the stamp of approval. And that's what they were looking for with the, with the church of Ephesus. So those that call themselves apostles came from all over to bombard the church of Ephesus. But the problem is... That with so many preachers, you need to have a special revelation in order to be noticed because there's so many preachers. I mean, if he preaches on the new birth, what am I going to preach on? I can't preach on the same thing. I need something special. If he preaches on being filled with the Holy Ghost, I got to teach on something different than that because I'm just going to blend in with everybody else and I need to stand out. Well, they stood out all right, but not in the right way. So they started to develop strange doctrines. They'd boast in their own selves and try their own self-advancements and self-approvals. Uh, 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 self and Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. You know, he spent so much time in the church of Ephesus teaching them that when he wrote to the church of Ephesus, if you read the letter to the church of Ephesus, he didn't even spend time elaborating on such doctrines as foreknowledge predestination, election, redemption, because they were so well taught. Today, people fight over those doctrines. I mean, it's so, what is this really talking? You know, this is really, there's wars that are fought over these doctrines. Why? Because they're not taught. People don't even know what that stuff is, and they come up with all of this worldly explanation of what it really means. Who I foreknew, I preordained. Well, who did he foreknow? Everybody. Before he formed you in your mama's womb, he knew you. 
who he foreknew. He foreknew you. He sent you to the earth. He's the one that sent you here. He foreknew you. And when he sent you here, he has already preordained you, which means you're called and you do the choosing. You choose to answer the call. You're called to be saved, but you choose whether you're going to answer that call or not. But you're ordained to be. You're predestined. He already set your destiny. Whether you walk in it or not, it's up to you. You know, people think, well, whatever happens, you know, well, God's destined it and all, God's ordained it. So whatever happens, that's God. No, that's, that's the devil. Churches don't even talk about the devil anymore. Probably because most of them's in the pulpit. No, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> okay, I take that back. <laughs> but the church of Ephesus was so well taught, the average person in the church could have been a seminary professor. And the church, through the years, and God still calls the church golden, but through the years has really changed. You know, people today want to talk about our forefathers, and we want to talk about how they did things, and a lot of people say that it wasn't good. And they'll pick on somebody like Ben Franklin, and maybe he was a, what did I say about Ben Franklin? Who was he? What? what? They don't say he was a Christian. He was a, what is it? Diaz. Diaz. And what is that? Uh, being, okay. Okay. So Ben Franklin, who they always pick on, knew more scripture than most Christians today know. That the country was founded on people that sought after the Lord, that when they couldn't come to an agreement about something, they took the weekend off and went to church. They didn't go play golf, go fishing. I got to take a break. You know, I need to go to the beach. No, they went to church. Why? Because that's where the Lord walks. And they would get their answers and they'd come back together again and they'd get into agreement about establishing the country on godly principles. Amen. So at this point in the church of Ephesus, who was so well taught, it says that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. So at this point, they've made a decision not to bear with the false or with the evil. They call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. So erroneous teaching is not just error. Oh, you know, they're just not teaching. Erroneous teaching is evil. And that's what you have to remember. They're not just getting wrong teaching. Oh, they just don't believe right. If it's not right, it's evil. There is no in-between ground. There, it's either in the truth of the word or it's in deception. Now, whether they know it's wrong or not doesn't matter. If it's wrong, it's wrong. 
It's like jumping off the roof. If you know about gravity or don't know about gravity, it's still taking effect. And if you believe the wrong thing and you believe in something that's evil, it'll bring you down the wrong road. Doesn't matter if you know it or not. But when the truth comes to you, you have to make a decision. You're going to change. Erroneous teaching. The, Ephesus, the Ephesian church was the protector of doctrinal purity. And that is very important in the church. And the church has lost this through the years. Doctrinal purity. The word of God so much in these days has been so watered down. It's been something that just wants to stroke your flesh and make you feel good. But the church of Ephesus was protecting doctrinal purity. Some wanted the approval label, and they left labeled as a liar. They got a label, all right, not the one they were looking for. He says here, you put to the test those who call themselves evil, and they are not. You found them to be false. Above that, he says, you cannot tolerate evil men. The word tolerate, what, is, you know, what do you think about when you think, I can't tolerate that? Most of the time, tolerate, not tolerating comes with the idea of mad. And I, can't I can't put up, oh, this is just, no. Tolerate very simply means you can't support it. You, you don't support that. You don't support that. How many things does the church support that is not of God? They tolerate it. The Ephesus church could not tolerate it. They would not support it. They would not add their agreement to it. Are you with me? They could not support their lies. They were not going to give them a letter of recommendation. Have you ever had to fill out a letter of recommendation for somebody? And has it ever been for somebody you didn't have something good to say about? I have. I've had people send me and say, would you fill this out for me? And I'm thinking, dear God, why did you send this to me? It wasn't yours, Dr. Rich. I, you, yours was good. <laughs> but this was, a, this was quite a number of years ago. And they sent me a letter and said, I'm going for this position. I'd like you to fill out a letter of recommendation. I'm like, oh, Lord. So what do most people want to do? Well, let's try to sugarcoat this. and Let's say this in a way that's, no, just say what it is. That's what I did. I just had to say what it is, and I mailed it in, and whether they got the job or not, I don't know. But I'm not going to lie about it. So think twice before you send me a letter to fill out. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. <laughs> Because once you sign your name to it, you are now responsible for that person. Every person, if it's, a, if it's a good thing, every person that person helps will be to your account. But every person that that person hurts will go on your account because you recommended. This is serious stuff. See, this is what's 
meant by walking in the truth. Walking in the truth has to apply to every area of your life. This is the hard work and the toil that they were doing. They would not permit error to take place in the church. They would scrutinize them. They would test them before they would even let them get into the pulpit. Just like we don't let anybody, just anybody come in here. We've had a lot of people want to come in here. I had one person say to me, what do I have to do to get into your church? I don't know. Have the Holy Spirit send me a letter of recommendation. That could help. <laughs> I've had people, and they, you know, they had a, a good ministry. They were up front, and they'd come in, and we'd let them do a service and all, and they'd want to come back all the time. And I'd say, yeah, no. And uh, finally, I have to tell them, your ministry is good. I believe that what you do is fine. There's nothing wrong with what you do. But we have no connection in the spirit. So therefore, we're not working together in this. The people that do come in here, we have a connection with them spiritually. And that's the way it ought to be. You don't let somebody come in just because they have a message about this or about that. Or let me come in and do a, a, a seminar about thus and so. No. No. Anybody can do that. There's got to be a connection especially between the pastors and the traveling ministry. There has to be that connection. Because I'm responsible for what you hear. And I take that responsibility serious. They had a committee of elders and fivefold ministry gifts that would totally scrutinize these guys that would come in to the church. And they would not give their support to anyone they found to be false. They found them to be liars or not of the truth. And Jesus commends this work of scrutiny. People, for the most part, hate it. And you would if you got something to hide. Or you would hate it if you know you don't have all of the truth. Or whatever reason it might be. But people really hate that. Or they'll say things like, well, you don't trust me. That's right. <laughs> this is not a deep revelation. That's right. We don't trust you. Because you, without God, can't be trusted. Is there anybody in here without God that can be trusted? Think before you raise your hand. <laughs> I know I can't be trusted before I knew God, before I knew the Lord. Oh, you, no, no. I'm the last person on the list in the trust area. Yeah. But it's a very, very the great responsibility and something that we're accountable to the Lord for. This is not something you just play. Ah, well, let's just, no, 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 no. Let's not just. Let's be truthful. Are you with me? Verse 3. Well, I almost spent three hours on that verse. And you have perseverance and you have endured for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. You have perseverance. Same as before, hupomene associated with, with hope. You remain under and it's a character trait that will not allow you to quit. And you have endured, which is the same as tolerate. You have, in, you have perseverance and you have endured or you have 
taken hold of what you needed to take hold of, this work. You have persevered with this work. You have endured. You've supported and taken hold of this work for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. You haven't worn out. You have not fainted and wearied yourself. You have not become emotionally fatigued and discouraged. I know your toil, but you never reached that point of being emotionally fatigued and discouraged. You did not lose heart. You did not give up. So we're not talking about when he says you have not grown weary. We're not talking about a physical tired. So it's not like you worked all day, you go home and you're tired, and I just want to lay down. That's not weary. Weary is the mental and emotional weariness that causes one to be so weary that they want to quit. That's the curse of toil, the sweat of your brow. But what did the church of Ephesus do? They stayed connected to grace. So grace, you can continue on. See, listen, perseverance produces endurance. And that brings about ability. It does not bring about weariness. Labor without toil. Labor without weariness of mind and emotions. So it's physical labor, but the mind and the soul is still in peace and still in rest. And just working physically. And you can get physically tired and not be weary. Amen. Now think about the church of Ephesus for a moment. And all of these people that came from all over the place that wanted to get a stamp of approval. And this board of fivefold ministry gifts and, and elders, they're all scrutinizing all of these people. So these people have come from every place. Not everybody gets the stamp of approval. So how much complaining do you think was going on? How many people do you think walked away from this church criticizing them? Of course, they wouldn't give them the seal of approval for ministry. That this church became assailed with evils, with murmurings. Trials came against them. People would come against them. Good thing Morgan and Morgan wasn't around back in those days. But yet, with all of this that they were dealing with, the church of Ephesus would not abandon the principles of truth. And they never yielded to the prevalence of error. The false are always trying to persuade the church to change their theology, to lower her standards because they want to promote themselves and be shown to be in the right and have approval. And the false can come under the guise of friends and family that are trying to get you off of your standard. I had a, a man one day, he comes to me and he says, I would have come to men's breakfast Saturday, but my son came to visit. I said, well, you could have brought your son. He could have come to breakfast, wouldn't have been a problem. He says, oh, you don't understand. My son's an atheist. And for him to come to breakfast, he's going to have something to say. I said, well, that's fine. We'll talk back to him. It's okay. It's no big deal. We don't mind. The truth always answers everything. And uh, he says, yeah, but he says, I just didn't think that was good, so that's why I didn't come. I said, oh, so you let 
The atheists tell you what to do. You always come to men's breakfast, but now you let the atheists direct you on what you should do. This is family. Are you with me? Does it matter? Family, friends, strangers? Doesn't matter if it's in the political field. Doesn't matter if it's in the professional field. Doesn't matter if it's in the church. The false will always want the standards of theology to come down in the church. Because they don't want to come up to the standard of living. And I don't understand that because that's the standard of blessing in your life. Amen. But, you know, like I said, people want the blessing without the toil. So I want the blessing of God. Everybody wants the blessing of God. If you didn't, you'd be mentally deranged. The blessing of God call is called divine health, prosperity, total peace, everything that you could ever need, everything you could ever want, great, great abundance of life. There's just one problem. You have to be accountable to somebody named Jesus. And that's what they don't like. But yet that is the doorway to all the blessings. 41 years ago when I found Jesus, he found, well, he always knew where I was. I had to find him. But 41 years ago, I walked in through that door because Jesus is the door. And I walked into that door, and my life has done nothing but increase since that day. And I realized that everything that I was trying to hold on to in my life is what was killing me. It was killing my marriage. It was killing my family. It was killing my health. It was killing all of my money. It was killing everything in my life. But bless God, I'm holding on to this until I chose to let go of it and walk in through the door. That's when my life started to change. Amen. Because the truth and knowing the truth, walking in the truth, living the truth is what makes you free. Amen. Hallelujah. Why did the Ephesian church take this stand that they took for his name's sake? You've persevered and you have endured for my name's sake. So it's all about keeping the name of Jesus clear of unprincipled men. Why? Because the tree is known by its fruit. So when we're willing to compromise, doesn't matter if it's friends or if it's family. I've had people tell me, well, you know, we have friends come in from out of town, and we don't feel like it's right that we should come to church when they're here. Why not? They can't come? Well, they're not church people. Then leave them home. I mean, you know, I know I told you this story before, and people hate me for it, but here we go. We would have Thanksgiving dinner in the church we were in. Had Thursday night services. And Thanksgiving is always on a Thursday. Thursday. Mm, funny how that happens. So Thursday night, 
was going to be service. So we would have early dinner about 1 o'clock, and, you know, we'd have everybody over. And then it was getting time to get ready for church, so we'd tell the family and everybody that was there, we're going to church. It's Thursday night. We're going to church. Now, when we get back, you're welcome to hang out here, watch TV, whatever you want, eat some more turkey. We're going to church. When we get back, we can have dessert. They were never there when we got back. So we brought church people with us, and they had the dessert. Why? Because there was more happening in church than there is at the turkey dinner. Yeah, well, Pastor, you know, you could have won people to the Lord by, no, no, no. They all got saved. <laughs> Come on. It's you thinking you're the answer is your problem. You're not the answer. And your disobedience is not helping because now the tree is known by your spoiled fruit. Yes, we are leaving town tomorrow. <laughs> I feel like the evangelist that came in for a meeting and then headed out in the morning. <laughs> The tree is known by the fruit. Approving wrong fruit discredits the tree. Now, you might say things like, well, you know, I'm not approving of apostles and who's coming in the church and all that. But who's coming into your life? Who do you let speak to your life? Who do you let make decisions in your life? And who is it in your life that you make decisions based on? Well, I can't do that because of so. I can't come to men's breakfast because of my son. I can't do this because they've come from out of town. I can't, I can't, I can't because they are directing my life. Which means what? You're not in charge. And if you're not in charge of those things, you think you're dealing with the devil? Come on. Come on. Let's wake up here for a minute. You think you're dealing with the devil? You can't even deal with coming to a men's breakfast because your son. So it's not about apostles in the church. It's about your life. You can't. You see, see, somebody was just sharing with me the other day that I would just give examples about when I flew to Thailand and I would have to see what time are we going to land I would keep changing my watch as we're getting closer to Thailand and I'd say well what time is it what time are we going to land am I landing in the middle of the night am I landing in the, in the morning what time am I landing do I need to be awake or do I need to be asleep so therefore based on the time that I'm landing and the time that it is now I need to sleep and I would make myself go to sleep I didn't sleep eight hours, but I would sleep. And then I'd get up and do what I need to do, and I'd check my watch again, and how long before we land, and what time is it? Do I need to be up? Do I need to be asleep? And gauge my sleeping that way. And somebody just shared with me the other day, and they said, you know, because of what I heard, when I wake up in the morning, I decide it's not time to get up. It's time to go to sleep. So I'm going back to sleep, and I make myself just go back to sleep. I'm not going to sit there and just turn, toss and turn. And that's just taking a teaching of the word and applying it into your everyday life. 
So you can read that and say, well, what does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Because it's about what you approve and what you disapprove in your own life. Who you allow to speak to you. Who is it in your life that you make decisions based on? And who is it that you let direct what you do? And who is the false that you're bearing with instead of holding on to the truth? And that you are willing to come down to their standards instead of saying, no, come up hither. And I will not go down to that standard. See, Jesus, who was deity, the, the word made flesh, he came down to the earth, gave up his deity and place of deity, and came down and took on human flesh. Born of a virgin, grew just like a child to a man. And although he came down from heaven to live on the earth, he never lowered his standards of living. And always said, come up. And when people didn't understand, he said, why did you doubt, you little faith? How is it that you don't understand? Are you hard-hearted? Oh, foolish and so slow of heart to believe. He would say those things to people because he's calling them up. You don't get it. Come on up. Come on up. You need to come up. He'd never lower his way of living. He'd never lower his way of talking. Never lowered his way of thinking. He kept himself right where he needed to be. And that's what would draw people to him. Jesus, who is the man in the middle of the church, commends the church of Ephesus for its work, for her labor, and her perseverance, her endurance, and her strength to hold to purity, doctrinal purity, and to honor his name before everyone. And that's what the church is called to do, to hold to doctrinal purity in order to honor his name to everyone. This is the first commendation to all of the churches. And the first commendation was for holding to truth, doctrinal purity, and not sacrificing doctrinal purity to the pressures and the complaints of others. It's not, they did not sacrifice doctrinal purity to satisfy somebody else's position. They did not sacrifice doctrinal purity to stop the criticism of others. They did not sacrifice doctrinal purity because they wanted to feel accepted by everybody. They didn't sacrifice it in order to keep the peace. The truth is the truth. And who wrote the book of Revelation? John, the apostle John wrote it, right? And who was the final pastor of the church of Ephesus? John. This is why John from the city of Ephesus wrote 3 John. I have no greater joy than this, than to hear of my children walking in the truth. He's the one that talked about Jesus in his high priestly prayer at the Last Supper when he spoke to the Father and said, Thy word is truth. Isn't that right? It's the purest of truth and never changes. Because he understood exactly what Jesus was saying. Hold to it. 
hold to the truth and don't let go of it for any reason, for anybody, or for anything. And commendation will come from the Lord. And increase will take place in your life. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. Oh, praise and glory and honor to you, Lord God. You are the Lord of truth. You are the spirit of truth. You are the one that guides us in all of the truth. You're the one that we can hold to and hold to that truth. You are the word of truth. We, we, they, you were beheld by the world in all of your glory, all of your grace, and all of your truth. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for the truth that remains the same and never changes. And that the truth of your word can change every factual circumstance and situation. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your truth. We honor you, Lord. We bless you and praise you and magnify you all of our days and in all of our ways. For you alone are truth. You said it yourself. You are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. It is not what is truth, but it's who is truth. And when you know the who, you know the truth. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now that you work inside of each and every one of us as we take these things and get them into our heart, that you show us how it'll work into our life, that as we meditate on them and it comes alive in our heart, that you will make known to us as we face decisions in life. You'll make known to us whether our decision that we're looking to make is going to be made based in truth or not. That we will always choose the truth. So help us, Lord. Strengthen us. Give us the courage that we need to stand up for truth in the face of pressures, in the face of trials, in the face of complaints, in the face of criticisms. The truth. The truth will hold to the truth and will continue to walk free in that truth. We will not be bound. We will not be subject and we will not be in bondage, but we will hold to the truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we honor you. We adore you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. So worthy, worthy, worthy are you. There is none like you. The great lamb that was slain, the lamb that was raised, seating at the right hand of the Father, that you are representing man in the Trinity. Oh, Father, we just thank you so much. We come before you to honor you with our giving, with a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude for all that you've done for us, that we take of the substance of our life, that which we put our effort into, we take this substance and we give it to you with joy, with honor, and we bless you, Father, and we thank you for all that you are, for all that you do. For your goodness, your grace, and your abounding mercy. Father, we bless you. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. If you need an envelope for credit card or cash giving, there's one on the seat back in front of you. We want to welcome you or thank you. Are we in the beginning of the service or the end? This is the end. Thank you, the live stream and podcast, for being with us today. And we do pray that the Word of God has really touched you and brought insight that you can apply these things into your life, stand for the truth, and walk in the freedom that the truth provides. You're more than a conqueror and an overcomer in life. Never subject yourself to the bondage and slavery that the enemy wants to bring through deceitful lies. But stick with the truth, and you'll stick with freedom. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you go to our website at newlifefamilyworship.net. Click on the giving link. I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything that we can ever stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. We consider it an honor to stand in prayer with our partners and believe God for your needs to be met over and above. For God is a more than enough God. Amen.